the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Learning from the Samaritan and learning about the Samaritan. Next on Times of Refreshing. Join us. From the well, a Christian community right here in Livermore, California. Hi there. Welcome. This is Times of Refreshing. Our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, will take us to Luke chapter 10. It's there that we're introduced to a Samaritan. Now, just exactly what a Samaritan is and what we can learn from this person's life is the subject of our time today and tomorrow. So make it a point to join us won't you? Again, Luke chapter 10. That is where we catch up with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman as we take a look at the Samaritan next on Times of Refreshing. Luke chapter 10. And this morning, the title of my message is The Samaritan. You know, from a, from a biblical standpoint, when you look at the Samaritans or what they would call the Samaritans, I want to give you a little bit of a background on this people group in Israel so that the context of what Jesus says here, it really, it really makes more sense. It says this, in the New Testament, however, the term uh, is applied to the people who were settlers in Samaria in the place of the Israelites who had been exiled by the Assyrian king. Their defiled origin, their compromise with the Persian kings, and their selection of Mount Gerizim, the mountain of cursing, as a place of worship in separation from the Jews, the Jews' place of worship, created severe animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews. Hence, the name Samaritan was to the Jew a term of reproach and contempt. These individuals, in some cases, were also, because they would intermarry and whatnot, they were also the Greek-speaking Jews. And so you had also this mixture that was a part of this. So when we read this, you're going to see something very interesting here. We're going to draw some truth from this. It says here in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, testing him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? It's amazing how God or anybody will tell us 
something to do. And instead of just receiving and embracing it, we'll try to justify ourselves all the time. But Jesus, in his wisdom, he says, he says here, Then Jesus answered and said, and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said to him, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Amen? That's pretty powerful. You know, one of the greatest problems that we have as human beings is that we are selfish the root of all sin is selfishness. When it gets down to it, you know, Adam and Eve did what they did in the garden because they were selfish. They were self-consumed. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They disregarded God. They disregarded what he had said, disregarded his command, and they determined within their own heart they wanted to do what they thought was right in their own eyes. They were being selfish. I just want, I want to see what this is like. It's amazing how we go through life and, and this is what happens to us. You know, one of the things I, I say this, and I say this to, I've said this to Minister Catherine. You know, we talk about this. Minister, me and Minister Catherine have talked about this before. How curiosity, it can be deadly. The word curiosity, it simply means a desire to know. They desire to know. Adam, Eve desired to know. God knows the day that you... The day in which you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like him. The, knowing the difference between good and evil. Her desire to know compelled her to step beyond God's boundaries. And then she starts partaking of something that ultimately is going to destroy her. But she doesn't know it. And, and mess up her relationship with God. So what happens is. Even the desire to know sometime is tied up in our selfishness. So people, one of the hardest things to do is get a human being to get out of self. You know, we get so self-absorbed, so consumed with what's going on with us that we feel like we don't have time to handle other people's problems. One of the things that I've learned about God is when you start helping somebody else, then God starts helping you. 
Can I have an amen, y'all? It's amazing how you can consume yourself with helping somebody else and trying to be a blessing to them and, and doing, you know. And it's not like you're neglecting yourself, but, man, I, I want to see God. You start putting your hands and helping somebody else, then God turns around and he starts reaching out for you. It's all a part of getting delivered from selfishness and being self-absorbed. You know, how many times do you have to look at yourself in the mirror? It's amazing. We, now we can't, we, we, people think we're looking, at, we're looking at our phones and people think we're looking at something on some app. We're looking at ourselves. I mean, how many selfies you going to take? We've seen your face. And don't go on Instagram. All you see is you. I'm like, why do you have that? You're just, you don't need that. Just go look in the mirror because that's your mirror. Instagram. Now, now I'm not against any of that. And I think we need to take pictures of ourselves. And, you, and we do need to take pictures of yourself. You need to remind yourself that no, you're not ugly. Okay, we get it. You're not ugly. And that's good. I think it's good. I think it's, there's a good part of it. But what we all have to watch out for that little enemy in a me. That enemy in a me. Because this is what's destroying the cultures, what's destroying the planet, this is, is selfishness. And so Jesus is here, and he's trying to help um, this man get delivered basically from self. And he's trying to help all of us get delivered from self. And he says here in verse 30, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And I don't know about you, but all of us in life, and I know for myself, I have experienced some rough times. I'm talking about after I got saved. And sometimes you go through life, and you feel like you've got stripped. You feel like you've got, fell among thieves. You've lost your clothing. You're wounded. You know, and then the, the bad thing is, and then people just beat you up and leave you there. Half dead. And maybe they didn't do it physically, but maybe emotionally. Maybe mentally. You know, they left you in a bad place. And this is what happens in life, is that we go through life and there's times when we get beat up. People get beat up. The devil is trying to beat everybody up. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy he wants to wreck marriages. He wants to wreck your life. He wants to get you on drugs. He wants to get you addicted to alcohol. He wants to get you popping pills. He wants to get all of us all wrapped up emotionally, tied into some bad soul ties. Now you're thinking about somebody you haven't even, you haven't talked to in years. The devil tried to bring them back into your life. And now you got soul ties. And now you're dealing with all kinds of mess. And then we make bad decisions. And now we're going through life. And it just seems like we're just, we're fighting. And, and then now we're seeing ghosts. We don't even know who we're fighting and and now I'm just beat up and now I can't think straight and I just man if I could just and then what happens is we wake up and we just beat up and people are walking wounded and then you talk to them and and you start really scratching the surface and you find out they hate their mom 
And they hate their dad and they hate their friends and they hate their cousin and they hate this person and, and they're bitter about that and they're bitter about that. They have unforgiveness towards this, unforgiveness towards that. And, and they might look the part and they might come to church and they might say they're okay. But then you start really talking and you find, well, you still got a wound there. You beat up. Life done beat you up. And you look tore up. You, and then what happens is, then they go into protection mode. And now I'm not going to speak to anybody. I'm not telling anybody about my problems. And now a big wall is up. So you're talking to them and they're not there. And you go through life and, and this is life. This is what happens. And Jesus is talking about somebody getting beat up in life. And I'm not the type of pastor, you guys know, that I, we have excelled in trying to have a balance around here. Telling you that yes, God is going to bless you. He's going to do great things for you. But there's going to be moments where you're going to go through some valleys. Stick with Jesus. Can I have an amen, y'all? He says here in verse 31. He says, now by chance a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. And so what happens here is this, is that we have to understand that these two individuals, the priest, he's talking about different classes. The priest, he says here, the Levites. Levites also were part of the priesthood to a certain degree and served in the, served the temple and whatnot, and were servants. But the point here is this, these people were religious in nature. But they were selfish. They saw the condition and instead of reaching out, they stepped on the other side and wouldn't respond. It's nothing worse than have a, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And so what happens is in this moment, Jesus is, is, is addressing a religious system that is not responding. And in some cases, it's just, I don't want nothing to do with this person in that condition. And we have to be very, very watchful of this. Now, God's not looking for us to jump into every fight that we see and do what you see on television, all this stuff. But he does expect us to be led by him and to go to, to great lengths to try to reach everybody. And there should be no limitations on that. He's, this person is in this condition. It doesn't say whether it was a religious person. It doesn't, and I love it because it doesn't say this was a church going for It just says a man went down. He got beat up. So what that tells me is that there should be no limitation on who we should be trying to help. Can I have an amen, y'all? But what happens for us is sometimes we're so consumed with ourselves, so consumed in all this stuff. We have our own cultural baggage. We have our own personal preferences. We have our own stuff. And then it stops us, even from a religious person standpoint, from reaching outside of ourselves and trying to touch somebody that just has gotten beat up by life. And you watch this. This is what happens. And that's when you start seeing these, these forms of prejudice that wells up in all of our lives. Whether you're white, black, Hispanic, people have, have stuff in their hearts that stops them from going the extra mile to reach somebody. 
Now, it could be the color of their skin. It, be, it could be the way they're dressed. I can't minister to them. Look, they look all tore up coming to church. Man, look at all those tattoos. Their hair isn't combed. Well, maybe their hair is not combed because they just came from under, living underneath the, the, the freeway. And the devil got them bound up and they don't have any clothes. And yes, they messed up, but now can we help clean them up? Can I have an amen? And so, so now what happens is, now what, what happens is, if we get into a position where now religious people start turning their backs because they have their own cultural baggages that they haven't get, gotten rid of and they haven't got themselves free from their personal preferences. And that's why I love when I, I love our church. I look around this building and I see all kinds of colors. Now, our church, we're going to have our own flow with worship and different flavors and different things like that. But my biggest thing is, when you come in here, I, I want people to say, you know what? I don't know what kind of church that is. <laughs> I know they preach the Bible. And, that, and they preach the Bible hard. They teach all the time. I know they're serving in the community, reaching people. The, even their pastor is at, in high school, walking on campus. Uh, they, they just, you know, I don't know. You might come to church one day and they're singing some salsa jams. Some, some Christian salsa. You might get some Hillsong. You might get some old school, you know, Church of God in Christ. You might get, I don't know. It's a, it's a Baptocostal uh, something. I, I don't know what kind of church that is, man. They just go for God up in there. Can I have an amen, y'all? They guess a Presbyterian, Presbyptocostal kind of, I don't know, man. But God is in there with them folks. Can I have an amen? Now, our statement of faith is tight, and we make sure that all that stuff is tight. But when people come in, I want them to come in and say, man, there's no limitations. You're going to have, if you're black, you're going to have a white person pray for you on the altar. So, and if you don't like that, then you got to repent of your sin because you got something in your heart. If you're white and you got a black person praying over you, get ready for it in this church because you might just have that happen. And praise God because God doesn't care. Can I have an amen? But we see people that have been beat up by life. Then they come in the door. We're trying to patch everything back together and watch God renew person's life. And there's no limitation. So here comes the priest and the Levite. Oh, I can't get, I can't get over there. They're unclean. Can't touch them. The scripture doesn't say anything about who the person was in terms of their religious affiliation, whether they were a, a Samaritan themselves. It doesn't say anything. It just says a man went on a journey and then, then, these people wouldn't even go by him. And I think it's important that for us, we have to get our blinders off. Got to get our blinders off. Well, Pastor Kaufman, I'm not a racist. I don't have any problem. For everybody, okay, we're going to find out if you got any racism in your heart, any in your heart, black or white, if you got any in your heart, when your child comes home with somebody of the different color. 
Some, some of y'all looking, some of y'all looking like, uh, that's why I love we got biracial couples in the church. I say, praise God. Yeah. Come on, break every stereotype. Break it all down. Come up in here, praise God. We want you to come up in here because we're going to find out who's got something in their heart when that happens. Some of y'all getting fidgety right now. Like, girl, you bet, you bet not. You better. Don't give them the evil eye. Just let God lead them. Can I have an amen? I love it. Most of y'all know my, my wife, she's, 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 she's got, some, she got some black in her. She got some white in her. My mother-in-law walking here, I love her. That's my wife, man. I didn't look at her and start, okay, I looked at her and I said, girl, you look good. <laughs> I don't care if you was a blue girl. <laughs> Woo, let me stop. Let me stop. All right, let me get back. Okay. So, <laughs> I wonder if she's watching right now. I love you, girl. Amen. And so, look what he says here, though, in verse 33. And this is important for us because we're going to have people that we're encountering all the time. We don't want any limitations and we don't want our religiousness Listen to me, y'all. We don't want our religiousness to stop us from being a blessing to people that have been beat up in life. He says in verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now this is interesting because we, we talked about the Samaritan. And we talked about the fact that in Israel's history, there was, they were at an odds with, odds with the Greek-speaking Jews. These individuals who had taken the land, and there was a problem there. There was tension. And so Jesus is given this, this parable and this story, and it's amazing how he references the Samaritan. He talks about the priest and the Levite, the religious people that should have been doing what's right. And then he talks about somebody that the Jews had rejected. And he uses him as an example of doing something that was right that the religious people wouldn't do. It's amazing how Jesus, how he operates and he breaks down cultural baggage and bondage. And he says here that as he journeyed, this Samaritan who should not, who, who the Jews, this is so amazing to me that he uses him as an example. He's trying to break something here. The Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was. And I think this is one of the problems that we have in the church is that we, we, we don't want to become incestuous. We don't want to just always be just, we want to rally around ourselves and we want to be a blessing to each other. We minister to God first. We minister to each other, and then we minister to a dying world. But sometimes we get so busy ministering to each other that we don't get out and reach the dying world. And now we're just practicing on each other, working on each other. Work, and we need to make sure we're ministering to each other. But saints, you can do more than one thing at once. I can be ministering to God and take my time ministering to God and then, you know, pick up the phone, meet with people and minister to you. And then I can get up and, and get out into the streets and do the best I can. You can do more things than once. Amen. You can have more on your plate than just one thing. But this is how the church should operate. 
And so we see here the Samaritan goes to where he's at. He, he goes to where he was. He didn't look at him and go away. He looked at him and was drawn to him. Because he's a good Samaritan. And I think it's for all of us. We get out of selfishness and start saying, how can I find somebody to minister to? Who can I serve? You know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to join the church, man. And I'm going to get over into our outreach ministry. Because I know they're giving away food during the week to help people that are struggling. And they do it every week. I'm going to come down and volunteer some of my time and serve somebody that has a need. You know, I'm going to give some more money to that ministry. I'm going to give some more money to the church because I know there's maybe I can't, my job, I'm all over the place, but I know the church is out there reaching some people. I must be supportive financially to help them. I'm, I'm going to get out. Oh, you know what? I'm going to find a way to partner with my church to go out and, and minister to some people. Doesn't, doesn't, isn't there some lady named Ann Kidd in the church that has a He Cares ministry? And she goes out over into Richmond and they go over there and they minister to, to the kids. I'm going to go get involved in that and give my time to go and serve some people. So what happens is you start thinking about you start thinking about somebody else and we get our minds off ourselves and then God starts to use us and we go to where people are at. We got to go there. Thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. This program is a production of The Well Christian Community and we pray this message has blessed you in a special way. If it has, please let us know by contacting us today. You can write to us at The Well Christian Community, 2333 Neeson Drive. We're here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also contact us by phone at 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. Learn more about us as well as drop us an email at our website, thewellchurch.net. Again, that's thewellchurch.net. On our website, you can also click on the link to access our page on Facebook or search for The Well Christian Community while you're on Facebook. You can also follow Pastor on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. And then we would invite you to join us again next time as we continue our studies in God's Word for times of refreshing. Until then, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life, and may He bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.